Welcome to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast, where we get to bring you sermons and content to help bring you closer to Jesus, develop your faith, and keep you up to date with everything young adults. Join us Sunday nights at 7 p.m. in the SCG Church Warehouse for our young adult service, or at our main campus services. We hope you enjoy. Tonight, we're launching a series called Mas. Now, honestly, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I don't speak Spanish, but I just thought a series entitled More didn't sound cool enough. And so I wanted to do a series entitled More, but we're doing Moss because I, like I like it better. Anyway, so uh, here's kind of the thought behind it. My hope and my prayer is uh, that I want you to see that Christmas has so much more for you. That, that the story of Christmas, I mean, literally is God in a bod coming to planet Earth, right? Like the word incarnate, if you like carne asada, which by the way, we're having at our Christmas party, that means in flesh, so what does the word in, uh, incarnation mean? It means God in flesh, God in steak. Doesn't really mean that, but God in flesh, right? And so like Christmas couldn't be a more important time of the year, right? And so my hope, my prayer is that we would see this Christmas, that Christmas has more to offer you because it, it is a season of more. And so over the next handful of weeks, I want to spend some time kind of unpacking different uh, parts of Christmas that maybe, uh, and show you that there's more of a, of a de- definition and more of a meaning behind them. So for example, the Christmas tree. I spent like, Dude, I don't know. I spent 20 hours this last week reading about Christmas trees, and I wrote an entirely different message um, that I'm actually going to give next week now, not, not, not tonight. Um, uh, there's more behind shepherds. There's more behind wise men. There's more behind the, even like the lights on a Christmas tree, the tinsel on a, on a Christmas tree. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, most, um, we don't have any in this room, right? No, we don't. And so there's no trees that are decorated. But like, what is the most common color for an ornament? It's red. You want to know why? Because it's supposed to emulate the apple on a, on a tree, in the story of Genesis chapter 3. And so in the 1800s, uh, when iron and glass started to get refined in such a way, they used to make circle apple ornaments that were red, and that eventually turned into circle ornaments, right? So there's so much more to the, to the, the different components and elements of, of this season. And so over the next handful of weeks, I want to unpack that with you. But before we hop into where we're headed today, um, here's a question I want you guys to turn to discuss, right? What's something that really got you, let's say, angry, got your, like, your blood boiling recently, all right? What was it, right? What happened? Did someone cut you off, right? Oh, was it on the way here? Um, whatever it was, right? So what's something that got you like really, really like heated in the last, like, I don't know, let's go with, uh, I don't know, a year or whatever it is. I don't care. I don't care. Whatever, a year, that's a lot of things, right? Uh, I don't know, this morning, I mean, today, like what, on your way to church, whatever. All right, that's your question. What's something that got you really, really angry recently? Ready, set, go. All right, all right, bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. All right, so... uh, any volunteers? Am I, should, I, should I ask for volunteers? Yes. You got a speeding ticket. All right, yeah, that, make, that makes sense. I'd be pretty heated. All right, anyone else? Something got you angry recently. What's up? She said your mustache? That's so mean. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, all right. So for me, um, it was actually a while ago, but it was the only story I could think of. So in 2019, it was like December. It was the first week of December. Um, and so it was during the Christmas season. Here's why I shared a story with you, all right? So I'm over, if you guys know our area, there's a, there's a hospital, Wausau Hospital on Catella right over there, right? And, I, and I'm driving, and uh, I can hear that there's like loud music, like, you know, like, like behind me, way behind me, right? And so the guy's got subs and, it's, you know, and whatever. And so I can see that there's this kid in a white Toyota Tacoma uh, just like swerving in and out of traffic, right? And so I'm in my lane, and I'm just like, this idiot kid, you know, like that's all I'm thinking, you know, like it's just crazy, like, well, I'm like safe in my metal car, like what I'm willing to 
say about people. You know. So anyways, I'm in my car, right? And uh, this guy's swerving out of traffic behind me. And what he doesn't see is that there's like a little like car in front of me that's moving from my lane to the lane that he is now just swerved out of my way to get into this lane next to me. And so this car comes over, it's like a Honda or something like that, and he has to swerve back into my lane so he doesn't plow into the back of the Honda, but he almost hits me. I had to kind of like, 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 you know, do some like pit maneuver thing or whatever it is, right? And so I'm kind of heated. He turns and, and that car goes through the, uh, through the light and it goes red. So now it's me and, and to Toyota Tacoma dude, right? And we're like this, my window's down. And I kind of just like look over him like this and I go like, you know, I'm like, and that's like, learn to drive, you idiot. Like, that's kind of like, what that, like what, that, you know, what that means, right? And he kind of looks back over me and goes like this. Like, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, oh, my. So like, so, like, we're at this, like, you know, I'm at this, like, five-second stoplight. And I'm, like, stretching my head, dude. I'm, like, you know, like, doing, I'm about to get out of the hospital and, like, beat this dude, you know. And so I'm, like, I'm starting to get heated. I'm, like, literally, like, my Apple Watch is, like, your heart rate is, you know, it's, like, increased, you know. And like, I can just feel like I'm starting to get, like, angry, right? Like, you know, BC Matt, like, Matt before meeting Jesus Christ, you know, started coming out, right? And so just then, like, the light turns green. He speeds off, you know. And I'm just sitting there, and the car behind me like honks at me like it's green. And so like I go, and I'm just like, like what the f- just happened? Like what just happened? Right? Like how did I just get so heated? Like why? Why? And how did I just get so angry about this like this like teenage kid that was like swerving in out of traffic? Right? How did I get so off kiltered by some punk teenager? I mean, for a few moments, right? I, I I let the punk in him bring out the punk in me. And the Bible, it does. It has a, has a word to describe this, let's say, punkish tendency that exists inside you and in me, and a, a word to communicate this truth, and it's a word and concept. It's called sin. I mean, sin is an ego-driven. It's a rebellion nature that exists within inside us. Uh, sin is best described by its middle letter. If you know how to spell, it's I, right? Or a sin is when I can only think about me. I guess you know a lot of people like that, right? But the reality is we are all born with what the Bible calls and deems a sin nature. And what that means is a few things for us, but tonight I'm just going to tell you two. Number one is this, if you're taking notes. Number one, we are born separated from God because of sin. We are born separated. Heaven is not your natural default. You need nothing to be spiritually regenerated. John chapter 3, right? It's Jesus' encounter with a man named Nicodemus. And maybe in a few weeks we'll get more into what that talks about. But your natural default is not heaven. It's hell. Something needs to change. We are born separated from God because of sin. Number two, under the right circumstances, because of this, we will all choose and do the wrong thing. Under the right circumstances, you, I, we, are most likely prone to do the wrong thing. Now, I'm sure if you're like me, you've had some things, like where you've said some things, you've thought some things, you did some things, and you went like, where did that come from? Like, why did that thought cross my mind? Someone cuts you off, you get so angry, or whatever. Like, there's something inside our hearts that's just not right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Why are we like that? I mean... Our parents, right, they never needed to, uh, you know, teach us to say things like mine or to take things from people. No, our parents needed to teach us to be generous. Our, our parents needed to teach us to, 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 you know, share things and care for other people and say things like, thank you. Those are the things that I'm trying to teach my daughter. I mean, she's 10 months old, but, like, that's what I'm trying to teach her, you know? See, Scripture time and time again reaffirms this reality, and what we were discovering in the book of Romans together, uh, chapter 3 and, and chapter 6, um, is that you and I were born with a sin nature. And if you don't believe me, just babysit some kids for a little bit, Right? I mean, over Thanksgiving, um, I was uh, hanging out with my nephew and niece, and one day, um, everyone was sleeping other than my, uh, my nephew, Ezra, and uh, this specific day, I guess he wasn't really, like, having a good day, you know? Uh, you know, like, whatever not having a good day for an eight-year-old looks like. I don't know, he didn't get the colored M&Ms he wants. I know, something. So, uh, we're sitting on the couch, and uh, he hides the remote from me, and I'm like, buddy, can, can you give me the remote? But, like, I, I want to change the channel, and he's like, no. And I was like, buddy, like, like for real, though, I'm like, I'm like an adult, like, give me the remote. And he's like, no. And I'm like, buddy, I can't watch any more of these Hallmark movies. I'm going to lose my mind, right? Like, give me the remote. And he said, what are you going to do about it? And I'm just kidding. I punched him. I'm playing. Uh, 
right? But here's the truth, right? Is uh, each one of us entered into this world. You were born into this world with a sin nature. Like I look at my daughter and I go, ugly. No, I'm playing, I don't. But like, like she was born with this, no, she's beautiful. Uh, but she was born with a sin nature, right? There's something in her that has a dis- like, will have a dispensity and, and a predisposition to do wrong. It's built with inside the human heart, right? It is who we are. We are fallen, born, fallen with a sinful nature. And so that's true. And so we come time to the story and season of Christmas. And it's equally true that God entered into the world to save us from our sin nature. I mean, listen to the way that the angel, the angel tells Joseph before Jesus was born. It says this in Matthew 21, or Matthew 1, 21, I'm sorry. She will give birth to a son. Who's she? Mary. All right, perfect. Uh, and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So I'm going to try to uncomplicate Christmas for you. Christmas shows God's desire for you to be saved. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 29, um, John the Baptist, he says this, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Christmas is super simple. The, the, the whole story of Christmas is it shows us the only way to be saved by the only person that can save us. In fact, the, the name of Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua, and it literally translates to God saves. I love that. Like, that's his, God saves. That's his name. And so tonight, I just want to show you how Christmas is for all people, right? No matter what you are, what, you, what you've done, uh, uh, who you are, whatever's happened in your life, Christmas has something to offer you and me because it is literally God arriving on the planet Earth into the human equation to save us from our sinful nature. In fact, I think whether you know this or not, whenever you tell people like Merry Christmas, the word Christmas translates happy God arrival. That's like literally what it means. Christmas, happy God arrival. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Happy God arrival, that's what it means. And so Christmas is simple, and I want to simplify it for you this season. It is that God arrived on earth to save us from our sin. And so tonight, I want to see with fresh eyes as we look at the characters of the Christmas story. You know, each and every single year, um, we see things like we imagine the little manger, we let the little animals, right, the three uh, wise men and all the shepherds and things along those lines. But I actually think you would probably be pretty surprised by what God is really trying to communicate to us by utilizing these people, these elements, the shepherd, the wise men, uh, and the, the, this, the manger, all these different things. And so today we're going to unpack just a few of it, and in the weeks to come we'll unpack really more of it. But over the last handful of weeks I've been reading the stories of uh, the Christmas story, and they're really found in two books of the Bible. Does anyone know what two books of the Bible? For an extra jewel in your crown? Uh, uh, Rob, do you know? Matthew and Luke, bro. You better got that right. Uh, Matthew and Luke, right? So Matthew. Matthew uh, writes to a very specific audience. L- uh, Luke writes to a very specific audience. Now, like I said, I've been reading the, the Christmas stories over the last handful of weeks uh, in Matthew and in Luke, and uh, I feel that I, I'm beginning to see things that I've never actually seen before in the text. The two accounts where we find those Christmas stories are written by two specific individuals. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor, and he was obviously also a historian. And then you have, you have Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, which he was a Jew. Think of like a, an IRS agent. You know, there's like 86,000 that were just hired. He's one of those dudes, right? So like that, that, that's who he is, right? So Matthew, the tax collector, Jewish. Luke, a doctor, a Gentile, meaning a non-Jewish person. Now, let me quickly tell you about these two books. Matthew's audience are almost exclusively Jewish people who, who he writes to, and they would have known things like um, the 39 books of the Old Testament. They would have known the things like, they're called, it's called the Pentateuch, the first five books written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. He would have known those books. And the audience that he was writing to, they would have known those books. They would have known that like in Isaiah 7, in, uh, or at least in Isaiah 9, 6, it talks about there being a God, being a mighty deliverer, a wonderful counselor, everlasting God, prince of peace. They would have heard of prophecies, 
of, of a great Messiah that was going to come and one day save mankind from itself. And then you have Luke. Luke is a Gentile. Luke writes to non-Jewish people. And so if you're in this room today and you're not Jewish, Luke is, he's writing literally and he's thinking of you and me. And so Luke, Luke writes to people that have no idea of the Old Testament. They don't know anything about Judaism. In fact, I think Judaism is kind of weird because they wear these weird hats and a bunch, you know, just a bunch of things like that. That's who Luke is writing to. And they have no expectations of a Messiah or a mighty deliverer. And so what's so interesting about all of this is Matthew records in the telling of his Christmas story things that pertain to and are important to Jewish people. He wants to focus on Joseph because there's a prophecy hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, at least in human form, um, that comes, uh, the prophecy was that he would come from the Davidic line, right? That, 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 that one day the Messiah would come through King David's lineage. I'll talk about that in a second. And then, oh, by the way, Matthew wants us to know that wise men showed up. He's the only person in the Christmas story that includes that. He wants us to know that wealthy, influential people came to testify that Jesus is worthy of our worship, top tier of the ancient society. And then you have Luke. Luke highlights the shepherds, right? One highlights the wealthy, influential. The other highlights shepherds, the marginalized, the poor, and the ignored in society. And so Matthew records, right, that wise men brought wealth to honor the king. And then Luke records that shepherds brought nothing, more than probably like some flea-infected animals or something like that. See, Matthew and Luke are writing about the same event, but they highlight two entirely different storylines because they're communicating to two entirely different audiences. I mean, just look at the way that each of them open up their, their, their Christmas story and end it. Follow with me in Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Luke 2, 8 and 10 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, I just want to spend a little time in maybe in Luke's gospel. Um, and I saw it in a new way this week that I want to share some things with you. Two important words that Luke immediately places in his first sentence here. I think I highlighted them, actually. It said, shepherds and nearby. Right? These nearby shepherds were in Bethlehem. And most scholars actually believe that they were shepherds who were caring for the sacrificial lambs at the temple. Now, if you know anything about history, or, or at least biblical theology and history, this is symbolic for what Jesus came to do, that he's known as the sacrificial lamb, right? That he would sacrifice his life for our sin. The second thing that I want to point out are the shepherds themselves. See, in the ancient world, there was no occupation that was lower than shepherds. In fact, in ancient Israel, like dads, you know, like they would have gathered their house around maybe the Christmas time or season, and they would have told the story of mighty David, the boy shepherd who slayed Goliath, the original kind of like rags to riches story. I mean, shepherds in the ancient world, they were considered untrustworthy. They were considered unclean. Shepherds in the ancient world, they were seen as outcasts. They were seen as unworthy. They were seen as like outsiders. And who are the very first people? The very first people who get to know about the arrival of God himself were the social outcasts of Jesus' day. I mean, surely God is trying to communicate something to you and to me. The third thing I want us to notice is the place that the narrative took place in. Where does God arrive from heaven to earth? In Bethlehem. Bethlehem in the ancient world is like the armpit of the world. It's nowheresville. It's literally a small town that people made fun of. No one cared about Bethlehem. Nothing good ever happened uh, in Bethlehem, and nothing, no, nothing and no one that is going to accomplish anything comes from Bethlehem. That was kind of like the, what people thought of. The uh, handful of months ago, I was flying up north to visit some family in um, like Sacramento, 
And uh, like 40 minutes into the trip from Long Beach up to Sacramento, I kind of like glance out and I see this like a, it just looks like a dump outside. I'm like, I wonder where that is. And just then the pilot says, if you look off to your left, you'll see, uh, you'll see Bakersfield. And I was like, that makes sense. Uh, like no one wants to live, like no one chooses Bakersfield. Like where do I want to like live in my like Bakersfield? That's it. Like that's where I want to spend my days, right? Bethlehem is, the, is Bakersfield, right? No one chooses it. It's nowheresville, right? And this is where God decides to come. But also gets even crazier than that because not only is he born in Bethlehem, they can't even find room in this like horrific place. So some hostile owner, right? Just like as, as Mary and Joseph come up and, and Mary's pregnant, probably just points over to some like random cave. Like we think like the manger is like something nice. It was sucked. Literally, it was like a horrific place. Like mangers, most likely, there's two pla- it was a place where animals probably lived and there's probably feces all over it. And the, the, the wooden cradle, most likely, that Jesus would have been laid in was one that was used for when animals would deliver. I was like, this is not like a, this is not like a sanitary, like, nice environment by any, by any means, right? And so Mary and Joseph, they probably just like wander, you know, she like wanders over to this, this cave where this houses animals. And so I can imagine like Joseph, he's trying to find like, you know, he's got his iPhone on, he's trying to look for like a broom. Finally, he grabs a broom and he's just sweeping up the poop right? And Mary's trying to like lay some hay because, <laughs> you know, like she's trying to figure out like how this is going to work and there's no, there's, it's dark, it's damp. There's like animals all around her making weird noises. There's crickets and she, what's going on? I can imagine she's got this moment, right? Where she's looking at Joseph going like, are we sure God spoke to us? Or like, we tripping? Like, this does not seem the way that like a king would arrive. This does not seem in any sense the way that a great king would come to do some incredible things, See, they don't know it yet, but wise men are on their way bringing gifts, and shepherds are en route to get there before daybreak, and Mary gives birth to God in Nowheresville. And I started to think about the, all the different variables and all the different elements of the Christmas story, and I was struck by a statement that Matthew recorded. He says this in verse 18 of chapter 1, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way, and I thought to myself, it could have happened anyway. Like, in any way, God could have cracked the sky open and could have came as an adult looking like, dude, I don't know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. You know, like, could have chosen any way. Could have came down on a unicorn, could have done anything he wanted, but he came this way. Why this way and why in this specific place? And then it dawned on me, all of the types of people are involved in the story. The wealthy and the poor. Those of high social status and those of low social status. The accepted in society and then the marginalized in society, the far from God and the close to God, the young teenagers like Mary and then the old like the wise men. Matthew writes to Jews and then Luke writes to absolutely any, everyone else. See, the Christmas story has you in it because although, I want to say it this way, it dawned on me that as I saw these different characters and I saw these different elements and all these different variables, that the way that it was written and the way that God decided to divinely orchestrate all of this was done in such a way to point you and I that we could be in this story, that Christmas has, has, a, has your name on it, that Christmas is a special gift from God specifically to you and me. And so there are two things that come to my mind when I, when I, when I think about this that I want to share with you. This. The first is this, that time and time again, the Christmas story reaffirms this reality that God is with you. 700 years before the birth of, of Jesus, in the book of Isaiah, he's given a name, and the name is Emmanuel. What, what does that translate? It means that God is with you. That literally, that's the best thing that God could do is that he could be present with you. And so he decided to show up himself. He didn't just cross a room. 
He didn't just cross a state, a continent, a universe. He crossed not even a galaxy. He crossed a dimension, put on human fragility and skin, like in Philippians 2, it talks about that, all to demonstrate that he loves you and I. And then he lived 33 long years to die the very same way that he lived, with his arms wide open. Like, this story of Christmas is perplexing, that God himself would show up like this. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that as um, I'm, a, I'm a new dad, and seeing a child and realizing that God himself, like, at one point needed his diaper changed just blows my mind, right? Like, would it need to be burped? Like, it just blows my mind that God himself stripped himself of, 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 of his glory and, and might and power in such a way. The Christmas story is, is almost a story that it's too good to be true, but it is true. And that's the whole reason that Luke wrote his story. I want to challenge you tonight to read Luke 1 and 2. He writes it with a very specific purpose, and he writes it like a historian so that you would believe. See, what, is, what else does the Christmas story communicate to us? The second thing is it communicates that God and God alone can save you. Right? The Hebrew name Yeshua was translated to Greek, which is where we get Jesus. And again, that also translates to God saves, which is the whole reason of Christmas. The whole reason of Christmas is to demonstrate that Christ came to bring you back, to buy you back, and to purchase you from your sin. That the greatest gift that God could ever give you and I is his grace extended through Jesus Christ, which saves you and I. See, Christmas shows us and means that Jesus is the only one who could save us from the penalty of our sin, from the power of sin, and from eternity, he will save us from the presence of sin, the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin forever. Uh, a while back, my, uh, my wife and I, we were at CPK over here in the Rossmore Center, and uh, we were with her parents. And uh, when we're all done for dinner, uh, like 30, 40 minutes in, Doyle, her dad, finally asked like, the waiter for the check, because he knew how it was going to. And, uh, and so he goes, hey, can you bring the check? And the guy said, hey, uh, it's been paid for. And we're like, what? And we're like looking around the restaurant, you know, like, and we don't like notice anybody. We're like, you know, like who paid for, who paid for our meal, you know? And we're like, hey, did he pay for everything? Like, you know, we don't want to like walk away and like he didn't give you a tip, you know, because that would suck. Like, did he, did, he, did, he, did he give you a tip? And he said, yeah, he gave me a great tip. Like, and basically what he's communicating to us is you have no more debt here. Even though you've sat in these seats, you've eaten this food, you've accrued a debt before us, someone else has covered your debt. Someone else has paid your bill. Scripture couldn't be clearer on this, that the day will come when we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Every person who has ever lived, right, from, pre from presidents to peasants, right, from the rich and the poor, from the accepted to marginalized, and on that day, Scripture tells us that all will be held into account for every word they've ever said, every deed they've ever done, every thought that they have ever had. And were it not for Jesus Christ, I would find that day, the day of my appointment, the day of your appointment, a terrible day. But on that day, I get to point to Jesus, and he's going to say, I've paid his debt. My question for you as we kind of wrap up today is simple. Look, I, I, I really don't know all of the stories and all the history of everybody that's in this room. Maybe you have accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you thought you have, but you haven't. Maybe you're running from him and you're here for some other reason. I, I'm glad you're here. My question for you is, have you let Jesus pay your bill? Right? Have you let him save you from your sin? And if you're here today and you go like, I don't, I don't really know, then may I politely say you probably haven't because you would know. Because God, in, in, in Romans and even in Hebrews, it talks about God's spirit bringing an assurance to our salvation. That God wants you to know if you're saved. God doesn't want to be like, Christians are the only people who can answer this question with certainty. Are you going to heaven? And the answer is, if you believe that Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 9, if you believe in, if you believe in your heart that God has risen from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I want to strongly urge you to open up your heart to him and say, make this Christmas more for me. 
open up my eyes, open up my heart to see you in a new light this Christmas. For those of us that have already accepted Jesus Christ in our heart, there is no greater gift than inviting somebody to a deeper understanding of what this season is all about, inviting them to know that God saves. And so share your faith with somebody. Uh, share your story with somebody of how God has saved you. I mean, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope in which you have. The word answer is apologia in Greek. And it's where we get apologetics, which is not the defense of, it's not learning to apologize. My wife would love that. But uh, it's learning to defend your faith. But the word answer there can mean scientific, but also can mean your personal story. How has God saved you? How has God intervened and brought life into your life? There are two types of life described in Scripture. The first is bios. Bios is just where we get the English word biology. There's nothing special about people that just are living and breathing, inhaling and exhaling. It's kind of a, a stoic and sad life. The other type of life in Scripture is in John 10.10. 10. For the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give life, and I give it abundantly. That type of life there, the, 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 the Greek word is zoe. And it's a life of abundance, not material possessions, but the filling of one's heart, not needing to search for validation in other people. This Christmas, I want to encourage you to share the Christmas story with somebody, or maybe you just need to share it with yourself and say, there's a God who loves me, it's crossed from heaven to earth to become one of us, to reconcile us back to himself. Tonight, I just want to read uh, one of my very favorite passages in the book of Luke, talking about the Christmas story, and then I'll, I'll pray for us, is this, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Put your arm around some, and I'll pray for you guys, and then we'll kick it. Lord, I, uh, Father, I ask that, number one, that you would bring a deeper understanding of what this season means, God, to me and to us. And so, God, let us not enter into this season um, haphazardly, God, with uh, not understanding the reason of the season. And so, Lord, would you continue to draw us, God, to yourself? We love you. It's in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the SCG Church Young Adults Podcast. For more information about our services, events, and ways to get involved, head on over to scgchurch.org. Thanks again for listening.